We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranger's McBasketball. Tim, we are back. We have less than a week until Lakers basketball resumes. We have a little bit of housekeeping here because I just want to tell the people we are live on playback. Follow us there. Follow us on YouTube. I just dropped a new video uh, starting a series of play of the day alongside some narration from Tim, some cool visuals to help you kind of understand some of the playbook that Tim does a great job of breaking down. So hopefully this visual aid will continue to do can help you enjoy the games on a on a deeper level. But it's been a few weeks, my friend. How are you today? Oh, man, I am pumped for the season. Today we got a media day. We got to see the players' jerseys, some familiar faces in Lakers' jerseys. And between that, between the content you and I have been working on, that video dropping, I am just just so ready for basketball. I'm, I'm there. I, I know at the end of like the playoffs, it's like, man, this was a grind. I need a break. For I'm sure. Done. We're back. Yeah. I'm feeling rested. It was nice, like you said, to see the players um, in their politician mode as they're saying things, you know, for for the media. But you can read between the lines um, a little bit there. Uh, But yeah, full season with this team is going to be fun there. Uh, And I agree. So it's a little bit more housekeeping. You know, follow us uh, on YouTube. Like I said, get in on our Discord tiers. You're going to get access to six bonus pods a month, Tim. And that's starting tonight. We're going to start with a X-Factors for the season pod, do a lot, 30 minutes or so, and then we're going to do some media day reactions, diving a little bit deeper into that. And that media day one will be uh, posted in our Discord just for our members. So you guys are going to want to get in and experience all the extra content we have, at early access to videos. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming on, Tim. Yeah, it's fantastic. And there are several tiers of that. Within the Discord, you can get in there for free. Go, go, channel. Make sure you're, you know, 
you're staying up to speed with what we do drop free there. And that's all you need to do. And then uh, DM the Lakers Exceptionalism podcast Twitter account, and we can get you in that Discord, get in those conversations. We had a media day chat going today with hundreds of messages, really good stuff in there. If you do want to get that premium content, like you said, there's that tier. You can go from just, you know, the normal four pods a month all the way up to 10. Way more access. You get the video access early. There are additional tiers if you're looking to like up your game, get more familiar with X's and O's or the Lakers X's and O's. So just so much great stuff. Check out the uh, link in either of our bios uh, and, and you can see all that there is to offer. So if you're listening now on playback, stick around after and you'll get the second half of the conversation. If you're listening on YouTube now, go check out that Discord and you'll be able to see what it looked like. Because I'll, I'll do I'll tease a little bit. A lot of what you said, Tom, with the politicianing, like, yeah, there are guys that avoiding questions, dodging questions, they bait them into some, you know, you know, frontline headline, you know, headline types of statements, and they handle it pretty well. There are a couple guys that said some things that piqued my interest, and uh, one guy in particular that kind of let something slip as an O's of the team this year that I was speculating, but it was really cool to actually hear somebody say so i'll save that for later but we did things today even if it wasn't you know every single answer i love that look at that professional tease from you uh weeks off and we just jump right back in which we will do right now tim it's first part of the pod we're gonna do x factors for the season so we're defining that as you know pivot points with player success in specific areas obviously injuries are a big factor we'll get into but you know, different skill sets, um, continuity, what have you. This team has a lot more of that. And that was mentioned by several people at media day today. So that's kind of the, my, my opening toss over to you. Is that continuity, you know, the biggest X factor you think, um, as far as seeing that team, this team be able to raise their ceiling and, and raise their floor even. I think continuity matters and just especially hitting the, the, the Lakers started two and 10 last year and a lot went into that injury and bad shooting luck and various things, but also continuity. And I think they've got stronger continuity going into this season. I think that will be helpful. And th- they, they have an interesting mix of continuity while also adding some major pieces. And it was more on the periphery, but still plenty of guys who have, you know, they will be in the regular season rotation, have great opportunities to be in the playoff rotation. And I think that mix of we know what we have and we like it, along with the additional competition, the additional upside, the additional skill sets and versatility really provides a strong mix that as a title contender you're looking for. And it provides a level of depth as well that we'll touch on a couple of times today that I see as being really beneficial as, as we talk through some of these things and you try to go through that 82 game grind. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that'll, it'll help raise everybody's familiarity with the system. Coach ham, you know, interpersonal relationships, everything, you know, the team has really good vibes behind it right now. And I think that continuity kind of only helps that. Um, well, mm-hmm. I think everyone would agree though, Tim, the biggest X factor, you know, on offense at least is keeping this team healthy the combined LeBron and AD regular season games over the last four years in 1920 they had 129 in 2020, 21, 
21. They had 81, so a big drop off there. And then it's steadily r- risen. Uh, 21, 22, they had 96 combined games. And 22, 23, just this last year, where they had 108. I know AD had mentioned he'd wanted to play all 82. I don't know if that's realistic, but if they do turn an ankle, if they do, you know, come up lame a little bit here or there, just or just want to rest and still be able to meet that, you know, 65 game threshold for those awards, they'll they have the depth now. So do you feel that depth is not only having decent players, but having the right kind of players that can help them win games if LeBron or AD are out? Yeah, I the depth is really helpful. There will be games where somebody is hurt or somebody's just out on the second game of the back-to-back or those various things. I, I think the injuries are a major factor still, but even if you do miss some guys for a period of time, I, like this team should be better and, and better equipped to handle those minutes than they have been in the past. I'm going to pull up my sh- screen here and I'm not going to, read through everything that's that's on this but I looked and grabbed for the four seasons where AD and LeBron have both been Lakers how often and how well has the team played with one of them on the court the other on the court both of them on the court neither of them on the court and that title season we see that 47 percent of the time that year that that full season including the playoffs both LeBron and Anthony Davis were on the court together. Nearly 50% of the time. When we look at the percentage of the time that neither of them were on court, it was a little less than 7%. That 7% has gone up to 35, 24, and 20 the next three seasons. And injuries are part of this. When both of them are out, neither of them are going to be on court. But another factor, too, is how well has the team performed? What is their net rating? How many points per 100 possessions are they outscoring opponents when neither of those players are on court? During the title year, they were getting outscored by about two points per 100 possessions. You know, close to neutral. The next year, minus four. The next year, minus 8.6. Last season, minus 13.6. So the team has been increasingly bad when both LeBron and AD aren't out there. And I look at this table and I see, you know, a couple of things and I think about this year's team and I see a few, I think of a few I bet that negative 13.6 is going to be much better I just think they've got better players more talent and I think it's much easier to build a cohesive not just lineup but an entire rotation map of lineups with either LeBron or AD or both of them out of there so I think we want to see this percentage drop we want to see the percentage of the time neither of them on court be lower, but then also when neither of them are on court, I think they're going to do better at a team level. And then, you know, looking at LeBron only, AD only, I won't call out those specific numbers, but keep these guys on court, keep them on court. I think if you can get, if they both hit that 65 game threshold and just hit that threshold, that'll be 130 games. That'll be more than we've ever seen with these two guys in Laker uniforms. So if that's the goal, I, I think that's a that's a great goal. Like just hit that. I think needs to be the goal this year. And if they don't, this even with that depth can still be a team that is more you know trying to avoid the play in in the five or six. If you're if you're only getting eighty games of these two players, but if they're really healthy, like Denver was last year. I know Denver comes up a lot when people talk about oh well you don't need depth. Well, they didn't get injured almost at all, and that's also really helpful. But if you can have a year like Denver had last year and not get injured much, then this could be a one seed. 
or a team fighting for one seed. So this is one big factor that impacts the range of outcomes for the team. And even, and, and I think just the, the floor, even if the injury piece of this doesn't go great, has risen due to the moves that Rob Polinka has made this offseason. Yeah, we've mentioned this before in other pods, or bears repeating that at least as far as we can tell, there's no tangible difference between AD playing the four and AD playing the five um, as far as this injury, you know, goes up if he's playing the five, which, you know, he's he's expressed he would like to do less of this season. And they brought in, they got Hayes, they have Wood now. And uh, I think that that should, you know, stay true. But other what are other ways that they can mitigate some of this risk? Is it just having more diversity? Is it a scheme thing? What do you think is another way that they can mitigate some of the risk of uh, of not playing these guys too many minutes? I think part of it is play well. Like if you can kick butt and be up 20 points in the fourth quarter, instead of LeBron and AD playing 36, 37, 38 minutes, they can play 30. They can play 28. And blowing teams out, resting guys in the fourth quarter, like to me, that's one of the, you know, an additional benefit of the depth that you have is you've got guys that should be able to go out there and, and play well. And if this team performs like we think it can, instead of really trying to figure themselves out early in the season and then having to really turn things around and make a, you know, a tough stretch run to get to the playoffs, like game by game, you have a better opportunity to rest in the fourth quarter. Like we've seen those like dominant Warriors teams do in previous years. And then just throughout the year, hopefully the team is in a better position from a seeding standpoint where you don't need to go pedal to the metal game 60 to try to like avoid a play in. Like if you can comfortably be a top four team, you can play for the ultimate goal, which is a title and understand that shaving a couple minutes of these guys, but shaving time can, you know, help them be ready to hit the ground running when the games do matter on that biggest stage. I I'm down. I mean, you know, haters might clip this and be like, Tim said to do better and they'll win more. (laughs) Just the the tangible um, rotation, maybe things, right. Maybe playing that extra couple minutes in that LeBron shift. Is that something that you could see them trying to lean more into, or is it like figuring out what teams, you know, put, putting your pedal on the metal really when you get those runs going, leaving your guys in a couple extra minutes in a game in November where they might've been a little more conservative. Do you think that's an option or? I think you want to approach every game and understand, like even against the bad teams, you want to go make that gap in talent evident early. You want to go beat up on them early so that you can earn that rest. Like let's go kick butt in November or February or whatever it is. Yeah. Start fast. And that's been something that we've seen this team be up and down with. Yeah. So start fast. Don't take games off. Don't play down to the level of your competition. And I think from the role players, step this team does have and how many guys will be competing for minutes. You've got guys that are going to be hungry and wanting to play well. And Darvin Ham's done a good job from what we could tell today at media. Although I, I don't, I think you're going to hear bad quotes at media day, but aligning everyone towards the vision. Even the ones who don't know the role yet, they're like, I don't know what the role is going to be, but I love the vision. I'm bought in. Let's go make it happen. And those could be the guys that sure. give you that energy on, you know, any given day. He, Darvin Ham brought up, uh, what did he talk about? He called it the, 
uh, Lonnie Walker effect, was it? The Lonnie Walker, getting the exact verbiage he used, but he called out Lonnie as a guy who stayed ready, worked hard. And when, you know, as we saw his minutes drop in the season after the trades, he still stayed ready. And when his moment came and his number was called in the playoffs, he was ready to go and kick butt. And I think having guys engaged and ready to go, even with that depth, will help you, uh, you know, win those bench minutes. When, you know, it, whether it's a starter's out or a bench guy's out, the next man up is ready to go. I see that as being really beneficial. All right, moving on to the next uh, the next one. Another thing that's played the Lakers over the years is their three-point shooting. Um, it was a rough time last year, and it has been over the years. Think of Malik Beasley, right? Think of several guys who are established, really good, sh- well-shooting three-point uh, shot makers kind of regressing once they get to the Lakers. Um, But we had some great performances from Rui in the playoffs. And D'Lo kind of, you know, shot a little bit less than he was was up to in other places. It's hard to make heads or tails of these guys. So how do you see the consistency or maybe lack thereof factoring in? And like, what's that? minimum that they maybe need to get to 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 make their three-point shooting is as important as it needs to be it's i think kind of like on a on a player-by-player basis the situation's a little different and to me this was a tricky like when we were putting together the list of x factors my original list had like four different laker players called out and it was like lebron's three-point shooting d-lo's three-point shooting yeah. Rue's, Rue's three-point shooting. i was like wait I, thing. That, that can't be the whole pod like we got to group them together but there are only a couple guys like Torian Prince has been a reliable three point shooter, and I'm scared to death to have like the Lakers curse thing happen to him, yeah. like we've seen happen. But exactly. outside of him, and you know, some of the guys who don't take threes, like D'Lo had been really solid as a pull three point shooter, and then his short stint with the Lakers recently, it wasn't there, and it made a real difference. We saw Gabe Vincent and Rui Hachimura last regular season not shoot well, but then in the playoffs, really turn it on. And, you know, are we going to get one of those or the other or just kind of like the overall might be more predictive of what they do? Like LeBron had his first point shooting season on on just in general and on pull-ups in quite a while. And he's always taken really, really tough shots, but he's generally been a really good shot maker even throughout that. And if that doesn't return, I think that impacts the way you look at how effective he can be. So, there are a lot of, you know, circumstances that could go different ways. You've got your eye on or you're feeling particularly bad about. I think LeBron is a huge one. You know, I think those ones, those guys who have a little bit higher volume, obviously. But if if LeBron is able to be that threat off ball in some kind of ADD low or Reeves uh, AD or or Wood and, and you know, uh, Reeves, LeBron being able to still be deadly off ball, catching an advantage and not just being able to sag off him and maybe, you know, recover so he doesn't get a, a, a drive to the lane. That's just obviously he's an incredible player getting to the lane. That's just going to give him more opportunities and get him a little bit easier looks. If not just, you know, off the dribble shooting, but if he's able to catch and shoot and really, you know, do a lot better than he was last year, granted he had a foot injury and it was really pretty bad from what it sounds like. So if he's able to 
bring that up. Um, obviously, D'Lo, again, you know, we posted that video in Double Drag. His three-point shooting ability can really help um, make their pick-and-roll game really dynamic and deadly. So those two guys stand out to me. I, I just don't think Rui is going to have as many opportunities. They're still going to be important. But those guys are going to be getting up a lot of threes. So it, it's really important for them to be you know where they need to, I think. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I'm, I was just scrolling around in my the, the B-Ball Index leaderboards tool and like LeBron had been such, you know, pretty consistently like these are all good, good values and then just a huge drop off. If we look at just the one year difference in through making for all players in the league from last season of the season, LeBron had the ninth any player year to year, which is huge. Um, if he can get back to that norm, that's that's impactful because I think that does impact like how you can defend him. It's not just you make more shots, but it's, if you need to draw like a hedge or a trap in ball screens, that really opens things up. And that's similar to as you were talking about. And he, the Lakers running uh, double drag, any play in that series for the season, they scored 1.66 points per possession when he was running things. Insane numbers. And even then, he wasn't hitting his pull-up threes all that well. If he that's crazy. hit those shots, because that's the gravity he had. It wasn't... Like all year long and the prior couple seasons, he was hitting those shots. So defenses respected them as if he was going to be hitting those shots. And even though the shots weren't falling, the gravity was there. And that's what really opened things up along with his, you know, his strong passing and and the playmaking in general. That is going to be a key for him and Braun. It's the on ball pull up three point shooting. I think that's really the impactful piece because it, 
it changes the defense. Whereas with Rui and with Vincent, with uh, I guess like Vanderbilt, with Reddish, it's more of the off-ball catch-and-shoot game. Uh, if Vando can make a big jump, that'd be great. Like if if you can promise me that Rui's going to shoot 38 percent he will start and he should start and he should close probably. And so like, it's a swing skill for a lot of guys. It's a moving target. And I can see this, you know, I have like six or seven different players that like, Hey, you know, this could go a lot of different ways depending on how that mix goes. I can see minutes changing. Um, one guy whose minutes won't change, but is part of this conversation too, is Anthony Davis, whose three point shot has apparently been looking good. He was asked about it at media day. We'll talk about his remarks uh, once we get to that later after after the discussion here today. But if his three is falling, you know, we've been talking about this every year since the bubble. All of a sudden, he's like a top five offensive player in the NBA. So there's a lot that can happen. And I don't know how it will turn out, but this is an X factor. You could say it's the biggest X factor behind injuries, perhaps ahead. Absolutely. Um, all right, kind of keeping it moving here. We talked a lot about Austin this offseason, um, his playmaking, his uh, pull-up three-point shooting in the uh, World Cup, all things that I think I think you especially have done a really good job at contextualizing how he could still have room to grow in, in what he's been, not only being asked to do, but doing more things that he's capable of that he hasn't had as much chance to do. So if if lebron especially ends up missing any time it's really nice to have austin and he he did step up big last year gabe vincent isn't really a playmaking kind of setup guy right he's that three and d uh with a little bit less three but good on d you know glue guy so reeves's uh, ability to step into a more creative on ball role is going to be huge so what do you think he can bring and how much better can he get, I guess? Yeah, I, I have trust. And, and looking at the more granular level of his like path, he's been in the kind of B range in terms of the, the volume of opportunities he's creating for teammates. And that's to me, that's above ball mover. It's below primary creators, kind of like a secondary creator realm. And among the... Let me see. There were 827 players in every ball index database with a B, B plus or B minus passing creation volume grade. So, so that kind of load among those 827, there are only eight of them. And I've got them up here on the screen right now. And B plus are higher grades in, in the quality of looks created for teammates, the versatility on the passes, the efficiency on their passes, not turning the ball over with bad passes. And then also their on ball gravity. And Austin Reeves is one of those eight players. Austin Reeves this past season, one of those eight guys. SGA in 2020 was one of those guys. Jordan Clarkson had a year on here, uh, the year he was traded from the Lakers to the Cavs. Gordon Hayward shows up here a good bit as a frequent secondary playmaker, strong passer uh, throughout his career. I don't – let's see, the the most recent season for him is a couple years ago. But I look at this and I see a guy who's – doing the little things really well. He's making the right reads. He sees the floor. He's finding high quality passes. Just move the volume up. And I think that's what we're going to see from him. We saw it a bit with Team USA. We've seen him be a high quality pick and roll guy. In college, he was a top five uh, major conference 
player in the entire country in terms of his pick and roll volume. Like he's been that guy before he's played point guard most of his life. As he said today at media day, I think he's ready for this. I think he's shown us that he's ready for this. It's not like if these grades look different and it was like, Oh man, he's really struggling to be, you know, the second or third playmaking option. I would not have the same level of confidence, but I think based on this, this lines up with the film and I see a guy who's ready. So if he can do it, that's really helpful. It helps case of injuries because you've got LeBron, you've got D'Lo. Vince is not quite that guy. There's some other guys who are, you know, I like Prince's, you know, ball moving, AD and Wood. I think they'll be good in terms of triple handoff playmaking or out of the post. But you need Reeves to be able to step up if somebody goes down. And then even if someone doesn't go down, I think on a game-to-game basis, he's going to play some point guard. I think he's going to initiate offense, need to make pick and roll reads. And I think he's ready. And if he can't, if he's not ready to step up, that lowers your ceiling. But I feel confident in this one. I think he's ready to go. I think it's super interesting that Gordon Hayward is four of these entries above him. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can see some similarities there, especially that 2017 Utah Gordon Hayward. He was very involved in the the offensive, the engine of that team. So I think all these guys, you know, the Jordan Clarkson Cleveland Lakers one is a little bit less and Luke Kennard's an interesting Detroit season, but shy four Gordon Hayward seasons, Austin Reeves. I think that's good <laughs> to expect maybe a little bit more, um, you know, responsibility out of him. Yeah. One last note on this. We did develop a tool that we use for consulting this off season at people index. It's, it's not public. It won't be public, but I've got access to it. So I took a look is profiling or, or basically projecting skill growth in various areas and doing so by looking at, all right, who are the, not just looking at a couple guys, but looking at every player in the league, weighing their, like looking at how much they grew and, and weighing them by how similar they were. So based on who you choose, that weighting for everyone's going to be a little bit different. You're comparing based on, I think it's either age or years of experience is how we have it set up. When you pick Reeves and you pick his playmaking, there are a bunch of guys that profile similarly to him. Some of the closest ones uh, that saw big jumps going into their third year were Luke Kennard, Desmond Bain, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jordan Poole. So those are some of the, like, these guys are somewhat similar to him. None of them were a super high similarity score, but some of the more similar guys who did see a jump there were a number of other players who didn't see much of an increase and even a couple who saw some drops. But I think if Lee, I expect him to be in a pretty good spot. I think the opportunity is certainly there and he'll be able to, to kind of flash the skill. So this is an X factor, but this is one that like, if we're kind of ranking, like I feel more confident in this than the injuries bit or the, uh, the three point shooting big picture. I'm here for it, man. I'd love to see Austin take even another step here in just his third season, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously a little bit older coming out, but still, uh, he's he's. it's been awesome to watch his growth, um, see him on the Zach Lowe pod, see him just vibing, just absolutely thriving. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, I, I've been talking to his agent. We're going to have him on sometime soon. Uh, yes. sometime this preseason I expect so we'll be uh, talking to Austin again for the third time I think on the podcast yes uh, so that'll be yes that'll be a fun conversation stay tuned uh, but we should we should get this rolling the next one I have on here and we don't have to talk about this much but like getting 
like $15 million a year type of production from Christian Wood instead of minimum contract production. And I don't expect contract production from him, but as long as he's like bought in and off court doing the right things and he's earned the trust on court that he's able to play in a role that kind of matches his skills enough. Like if, if the coaching staff is worried about like, I don't know if we can rely on this guy, maybe he's going to do something crazy and we won't be able to play him in a couple months. Maybe they won't be willing to give him as much as he could get on the court. As long as that's in place, I trust that he's going to play fairly well. And I, you know, based on what he was able to produce last regular season, he would have been a top five offensive or top all impact guy, uh, Lakers roster right now in terms of impact. So the upside I see with him is like 20 sort of player. His on-court value he's gotten real playing time have been 12 million, 9 million, 8 million, and then 10 and a half million last year. So there's some upside. I don't think he's going to hit the upside, but I think the like expectation should be around $10 million guy. You've got him at a min and just how much the team trusts him and how much he fits into the scheme to enable that upside, I think is kind of the X factor here. Yeah. I mean, based on the value he's gotten over the last four years, right? Lakers got a, a, a mid-level exception player for free. So mm-hmm. even if let's say he plays like an $8 million player, they're still going to have more value than, than anything they've gotten out of like, you know, outside of like Malik Monk, they've had good value, you know, minimum value signings. Don't get me wrong, but I think he has the potential to be the most valuable uh, out of all those. Yep. Absolutely. And and I guess moving to defense, he's also on that X factor list because he's someone who doesn't have the best defensive reputation. I think the play for him in season was a little up and down last year for Dallas. And we see that in the impact data. It dropped a little bit at his, at one point. It had three years in a row where he was around an average impact mobile big defensively prior to taking a big dip last year. If he can get back to that, and I think the role is going to fit and – I think he's going to have the playing time. I think he's going to have a much better context around him. The environment will be right for him to step up and play well, play well enough to be around average. And if he can do that, I think that's really important. There are things I saw in the film late season with his box out tendencies, his rotations, his hedging, his rim protection. They looked good. If he can keep doing that, clean up some things like his closeout technique, be used smart. I mean, he if he can do this on defense – that enables him to play like 30 minutes instead of 20 minutes a game. And, and that's the sort of thing that unlocks that offensive impact that we just talked about is, uh, you know, can we keep him on the court? And, and it'll come down to, to some of these areas here defensively for him. I mean, that's the biggest swing of value right there. Again, like that value, not only all, you know, on your salary cap, but having a player come in, you know, for free again, being able to, raise the floor i still think this is a very good team before the christian wood signing it's kind of why uh at least you know we you and i were excited by the potential of it because it raises the the ceiling and the floor i think that if he doesn't work out they have jackson hayes around they still have the ability to go out and sign a more traditional big or bring up castleton to see what he can bring so they have options and the fact that they're not relying on christian wood as the only other big on the roster uh, is really important to me in the fact that they can absolutely, you know, work around his issues if it does present themselves. Mm. Yep. 
Absolutely. I, I think the table is set well. There's upside built in. This is a signing that, you know, we could very well look back at this and be like, ha ha, how the hell did we get this guy for free? Like he, he has the potential to be the Lakers, like third, fourth, fifth best player on any given night. Some days, maybe even second or first, but most days probably not second or first, but like he, you've got the upside with him on a game to game basis. And that's, that's really helpful. So we'll see. So stay tuned. We got to see what it looks like. Uh, he's got to earn the trust, but he certainly has a relationship with Darvin Ham already. And I think that's helpful. But another part of if you do want to play Wood a lot of minutes is you're going to run into lineups where if he's with AD, you then need like Rui or LeBron to be defending wings. And I think those are some potential X factors as well. Yeah, we've been seeing the, you know, re renaissance of Rui, Slim Rui, as people are calling him, um, come out, you know, being ready, at least physically, for the new job that he's going to be expected to do this season, which is guarding more wings. And after giving him that contract, you know, it was great to hear how excited he was to be back in L.A. to be, you know, ready to go. And he's seemingly proved it with his at least his physical uh, you know, his physical training. So that's encouraging. It, you know, he could come back looking the same, looking a little more bulky, but he hasn't. But that said, looking at these grades here, Tim, I still have some reservations as far as what he is on that uh, spectrum as a wing stopper, three garter. So do you think that, you know, not just the physical transformation, but the another year uh, being in a system you know, with a little bit better versatility that he's going to be able to perform in that role better than he has, at least in the past. I have confidence that he will, with his size, his rotating, I think the like mobility and the secondary room protection, both for him and LeBron, because I think this is a conversation for both of them. I trust them to play well as helpers because I think with the team probably hedging a lot more this year, like those rotations, those help rotations will be valuable. Having size, having guys that can be a secondary rim protector, a tertiary rim protector, like that has value. The wing stopper, like perimeter defense, I'm, uh, I, it's a, if it hits, it's going to be, but I worry about it. And this right here is a big part of why Jared Vanderbilt is going to continue to be a guy that, you know, we, will probably consider it for more and more minutes. If, if like, you know, you're facing teams where you need some wing stopper defense and you don't trust Rui and you don't trust LeBron, like this, this is something that impacts minutes. And offensively, you certainly want where we can give you more than Vando. So this is something, if it turns out well, Rui Hachimura becomes a like mid 30 minute per game guy, potentially, or a low 30 minute per game guy that the team can really rely on. And that would be fantastic. That would really, really help this team. If his three-point shooting isn't there or this piece isn't there, he becomes much more matchup dependent or lineup dependent. And he becomes a less valuable player. And Ellie just signed him for back. So you want him to make that growth. He certainly looks more defined. I think he pushed back a little bit today on like the slim piece. I think he said it was based on like the pictures that were being compared. But I mean, people were there at the event being like tweeting out like, this guy looks slimmer. Um, So... I think something to keep an eye out for early in preseason is what does his mobility look like? How is the team deploying him? 
Do they trust him to be a wing stopper? Because if so, I I think it would truly be a big jump that we should appreciate because for as much growth as he made on defense and as much as he flashed, wasn't really all that much of it. It was, it was more the rotating and, and the rim protection and the box outs. I think so much of this is, you know, it's great to be slimmer, right? To have less weight. But if you have stiff hips, you have stiff hips. You could be a little mm. bit bulkier and have a little bit more open hips. And on so much of this is, you know, defending these bigger guys, these Paul Georges, these you know, other guys who can handle the ball and have some physicality to them is, you know, having the size and the mobility. And so much of it is footwork that isn't necessarily tied to, Again, you can have good footwork and be maybe a slower lateral mobility guy and try to get, you know, so a lot of it's IQ, a lot of it's physical. It all kind of convalesces into many factors, right? And and how the team can help you in uh, through the scheme as well. But just because he got slimmer, I I don't know if you agree with this, just because he got slimmer doesn't mean he's going to be like faster laterally or with this footwork or you know the things that i think actually matter when you get around some of these ball chasers you know and navigating ball screens being able the technique of you know lifting your hips up to get around the pick and not bumping guys not reaching too much you know there's a lot of technique involved that's not just physical too yeah i'd I'd agree with that like physical tools technique both matter and the physical tools aren't just like height and weight like agility you know lateral quickness those sorts of things do do truly matter that hip fluidity you talked about like yeah I, I think it's a factor i think it sets up more for a defense where if Rui or lebron are your threes and you're facing a scoring wing like they're going to lean more on sending help and with the size that they'll have on the court if those guys are playing at the three uh i think is encouraging like i think they'll be able to do well i think this is in general going to be a year defensively where we see more help and recover whether it's pick and rolls or post ups or ISOs, and that's okay. I, I, you know, you got to work through it. Ideally, you've got an elite wing stopper. Not too many teams do, so something to keep an eye out. Something where there is some upside if if it does hit. And I think LeBron and his ability to do this or just guard threes in general. You know, most nights they're not having an elite scoring wing, but can LeBron play the three defensively? I think is another piece of this because of the potential offensively for a LeBron, Anthony Davis, Christian Wood front court, which sounds great, but defensively, can you get good production from those guys with LeBron needing to guard more as a three? So that to me is, is something where, you know, you know, he, he can see more uh, responsibility on offense, maybe shift that energy more bar to defense a little bit more, but a question mark for sure something he's been kind of shifting away from over time but if he can dial it back and play well and be someone who could do this from a line again from a christian wood minute standpoint this unlocks things okay yeah absolutely so we come to the last couple points here lebron as a wing defender you know kind of going into guarding threes um being able to play LeBron, AD, and Wood all at the same time without without sacrificing too much on defense, I think that's going to be, yeah, a huge a huge part of, like you said, raising that ceiling of how they can blow teams out in certain stretches, right? So, 
what else about the X factors do you see? Like, do you, I, I personally don't think LeBron's going to get a ton of times on threes. So I think we can kind of move on from that. We're going to talk more about ham and how it, maybe he's planning on using some of his scheme uh, on Friday. So how can, how, I guess it, just to tease it for that, how can ham, you know, elevate the, the defensive scheme to get the most out of his personnel? Yeah. I think just like, Put guys in jobs that make sense for their their skill sets is such a big thing in sports in general and in, in any job, sports or otherwise. And the Lakers' defensive scheme to me is a big opportunity where they could do this and make the most of a Christian Wood defensively, make the most of a Jackson Hayes defensively, mitigate the concerns that you have with screen navigation from a Gabe Vincent or D'Angelo Russell, like. Take advantage of the size you have at the wings. Take advantage of the size you have as your with your bigs. Take advantage of the rotational ability you've added to this team. We'll dig into it more on Friday in depth, but yeah, this is not a roster that profiles as a drop-heavy team. And if they just lean super heavy drop, I'm going to be disappointed. And that will be an area where the team's not hitting its ceiling. So it's, you know, push towards their skill sets. But then you also do want to have, have flexibility. You want to be able to do it all in the playoffs. And if you want to play AD, your guy, but I don't want to see all that much Christian Wooden drop. Um, so it, it really is, is about having a balance, being able to do different things, depending on who, not just who you have out there, but who the other team has out there. There will be times where drop makes the most sense, not because it's the best for your guys, but because the other team's horrible against it and does not have the personnel to attack it at all. So you need to be able to not just look at like, good at but what's best for the situation and that's where in a playoff environment you really lean into that thinking so that i'll leave it there come back friday we'll dig into that and other areas where am and the staff need to either step things up or the spotlight will be on them if the team does want to hit its ceiling but that i think gets us through our, our x-factor conversation tom there's a a good bit on here but a number of things i feel pretty good about yeah, playback folks, stick around. We are just going to get into our media day reactions right now. We are going to, you're going to want to watch our live pots on playback as much as possible if you are not in that lower bowl or higher in our Discord tiers because we're getting to a bonus pod territory that will be posted later for our Discord members. But for now, that's it for the public pod. We'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.